Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. How many of you know what this is? Anchor, right? It's an anchor. Uh, If you're titling your notes today, title Anchor, okay? And I looked up the definition for an anchor, okay? It says a heavy heavy object attached to a chain to keep a ship anchored where? To the bottom of the sea. It's making sure that ship doesn't wander away, doesn't float away. So we're going to jump in today. Uh, We're going to talk about what we're anchored to in this life. In the front end of this message, I'm going to kind of go fast because I want to get us to where I want, but I got to set it up today. I got to help you set all this up, okay? All right. Um, My friend, Pastor Gerard. How many of you remember Pastor Gerard, Pastor G? He's coming. Yeah, October. Actually, Crown Conference weekend, he's coming, okay? He's going to speak that weekend uh, after the Crown Conference. It's going to be good. He, uh, he's going through some kind of what I would call rough waves starting his church, okay? And anybody knows whenever you pioneer something, anytime you ever step out in faith, you're going to face some opposition, right? You're going to face some struggles, okay? And so we're on the phone the other day, and we're kind of talking through these things, and I'm super thankful that I have the opportunity to play this role in his life and their church to help them go down some of these roads. And, and we're going through some of these struggles. And this was his response. He said, I just believe God's got it. I just believe that God's going to work it all out. And I thought, you know what? Pastor G, he is really anchored in what? He's really anchored in faith. He's anchored in faith. Why? Because your mouth, your words reveal what you're anchored to. Out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth will speak. So I thought, he's anchored. He's anchored to like verses like Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called to his purposes for them. Can I get an amen from anybody? He'll work it all out out of his goodness. So Pastor G is anchored to this thought that I have faith, not in myself, not in my current situation, but in God and who he is. So today I want to talk about this idea. Being anchored to the revelation of God's grace. Now, I want to show you something. Jesus' first miracle, okay, We know the story. He's at this big party, marriage party reception. They bring out the wine. Everybody tears it up, and they run out of wine. And Jesus' mom comes to him and says, hey, we've run out of wine. Can you help us? Okay. And so in his first miracle, the very first miracle, what does Jesus do? He reveals who he is, the nature and the character of who he is, which is what? Grace. Jesus is grace. Now, you're thinking, how 
water to wine, how, how does that reveal grace? Uh, let me show you, okay? In Exodus chapter seven, verse 20, Moses, okay? Moses and Aaron, okay? The Lord had commanded them to go to Pharaoh. They're there to set God's people free, okay? And Pharaoh is resisting. And so God is bringing plagues upon the people and upon the land. And so Moses comes to Pharaoh and says, hey, if you won't listen, then God's gonna, God's gonna curse you. And so this is what happened. Moses takes his staff and he does what? He touches the water, right? How many remember what happened to the water? Speak it out. What happened? Turn the blood. I know, you know, it's Bible trivia. You're like, oh, dang it, I'm going to get it wrong. Shoot, I didn't get that gold star in second grade. It turned to what? It turned to blood, right? Verse 21 says this. The fish in the Nile died, the Nile sank, and the Egyptians could not drink the water from the Nile because it turned to blood. Okay, so when we think of Moses, we think of a couple different things. The first thing is this, that God sent Moses to do what? Set his people free, right? So what is that a picture of? It's a picture of how Jesus would come to set us free. This is a precursor. Moses is just a picture of Jesus that would come to set us free. But the other thing that we think about when we think about Moses is we think about this. We think about what? The law right? God brought the law through Moses, 613 different laws that no human being could ever fulfill completely and perfect outside of who? Jesus Christ, right? So God brought the law through Moses. So when Moses struck the water and it turned to blood, it was a picture of what? a picture of the law, and the law led to what? Death, amen, okay? It was designed that way. The law was designed for humans to go, I can't do this, I need a savior, and that savior is Jesus Christ, the one who was able to fulfill all 613 of those laws, and I'm gonna put my trust and hope in him and not in the law and not in man and not in traditions and not in religion. Can I get an amen? Okay, so the law, okay, so when he touches the water and turns the blood, it's a picture of the law that leads to death. Now, when Jesus in John chapter two, verse one comes and he's at the banquet with his mom and they've run out of water, right? It says this, now on the third day, which is interesting because why? Because we know on the third day, Jesus would be resurrected from the death, bringing life, right? Life, what does Jesus represent? He represents grace. He represents life, okay? On the third day, they run out. They run out. Jesus' mom comes to him and says, hey, we've run out of water to the banquet. We have so many guests, it says. We've run out of wine. Mary realized it. She asked Jesus, is there anything you can do? Now, listen. If we were to take Mary's words and to apply them to today, how would this Revelation come out to us, the church today. I believe it would come out like this. Mary's words would be, religion has failed us and we've run out of wine. What do we run out of? The power of the Holy Spirit. The power of God's presence. 
Now, we're not a church that's going to run out of that anytime soon in Jesus' name because we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the presence of God, and we believe that those are the things that actually changes your life, not me. Not me. Okay? So she's saying, we've run out. Tradition, religion can't make us happy. We don't have anything. So Moses turned water into blood. Jesus turned water into wine. Jesus is revealing who he is, that he is a God of grace. He is a God of life. He's a God who restores. He's a God who renews. He's a God who heals. Jesus was revealing in his first miracle who he is. So I want us to talk about this idea of what are we anchored to? Are we anchored to death or are we anchored to life? Go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible poses this question in a different way. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Says this, therefore, since we've been surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, me, who's the huge crowd of witnesses? All those people in heaven. Man, I can't wait to see them. I can't wait to see family members that are in heaven. I can't wait to see my mom. I can't wait to meet Paul. See, you got to think beyond this life. Like, I'm going to meet Paul, you know? I'm going to meet Peter. I can't wait to meet Peter. I'm going to be like, dude, I was so much like you, you know? I was an idiot, you know? Thank God for God's grace. It says, let us strip off every weight, every weight, that slows us down, especially sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Endurance meaning this, that you're gonna go through some struggles, you're gonna go through some hardships, you're gonna go through some tough moments, but through God's grace, you're gonna build endurance to know that he is good and that he took you to the other side, amen? Verse two, it says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion. I love that. Jesus, the champion, meaning that he is one. He is victorious. And because he won and because he's victorious and because we put our hope and our faith in him, we become victorious, not through our strength, but through his strength. Amen? Oh, man, this is good teaching, guys. Who perfects our faith. What does that mean? That means this, that when we give our life to Jesus, Everything is imperfected, right? I mean, I'm made new in him. I have a new life in him. He has forgiven me. But how many of you know that you still got a lot of flesh that has to get perfected by the grace of God, by Jesus? So it's his job to perfect our faith. Because of the joy that awaited him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, And now he is seated a place of honor at God's throne. The Passion Version says, verse one, it says this. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. Every wound that has pierced us. 
or got into us, like a tip has pierced us, a moment in our life. So let me ask a question. What are you anchored to and what are you weighed down by? What are you anchored to and what are you weighed down by? Because here's the deal. We're called to become more like Jesus. And as we become more like Jesus, we experience the dream that Jesus has for our life. And I really want to get that across to you. The the Holy Spirit just really pressed that into me, that God has a dream to use your life for significance. He wants to do special things through you, through you. Let me ask a couple what-if questions. What if God wanted you to be an encourager? I'm going to put up a picture of somebody that's a super encourager in our church. Put up that picture. This is Nate, okay? Yeah, you hear all those woo-woo, okay? This is Nate. I love Nate. You know why I love Nate? He is always positive. He is always just full of grace. And I promise you, he is such an encouragement. I can't tell you how many Sundays he'll find me. And even if it's just for a quick second, he'll look me in the eyes and he'll go, man, today was great. You did a great job. I'm so thankful that you're my pastor. I'll be like, man, you have no idea what that means to me. Just a spirit of encouragement. What if God wanted to use you to be an encourager? That you always had the right words at the right time, at the right place for people that needed to hear a word of encouragement that God is with them and for them and not against them. What if God wanted your marriage to shine? Put up this next picture. This is Amber and Ryan Johnson. Love them. Awesome couple in our church. Great couple in our church. You know what I can tell you, though, is that they came from a lot of brokenness and bitterness in their marriage. But what did Jesus come to do? He came to heal, to restore, to renew. So when Jesus restores and he heals and renews, then he uses what? He uses amazing people like this to do what? To bring health and healing to those who have a broken marriage. Can to get an amen from everybody. What if God wanted to use your marriage that way? What if God wanted you and your family to be a rock here at Elevate Church? I mean, a rock, a place of stable security, a place that the church can build on because your faithfulness. People like this, let me show you. This is Clint, this is Amy, this is Ella. I love them. All of them are serving. The entire family, all of them, they're a rock. And because of their faithfulness, what happens? Because they're faithful as a family, it allows people to come into our church and do what? Find Jesus. What if God wanted to use your family like that? What if God wanted to bless you? Put up Dave and Jenny, okay? Oh, I love these two, okay? God's blessed them. A little over a year ago, Dave said to me, he goes, Pastor Jeff, God's blessed us so that we can be a blessing and we can fund the things and the dreams that God gives this church. He believes it. He believes it. Now, 
Oh, that's a, I know that's a, a lot of times, and let me just say this. We look at this and we go, they're an older couple. They've, you know, done well in their years, and God has blessed them, and they're older, and, and, and they're able to do that because they're older. No, let me show you a different picture, okay? Brandon, Marie, and Mundy. They're an amazing couple in our church. They're young, young. But you know what? They decided a couple years ago to trust God. And guess what? They've told us over and over again, we can't even explain how much blessing God has brought into our home. But they're the same people that said, we're here to serve God faithfully with our finances to help the dreams and the, and the, and the things that God wants to do in this church. What if God wanted to use you this way? Listen, can I say this? We gotta get out of small-minded thinking, Okay. You got to get out of small-minded thinking. We can't afford to not see our life the way that God wants us to see it. We can't afford to not see that God wants to use our lives at higher levels outside of just coming and receiving something and leaving and coming and receiving something and leaving, coming and receiving something and leaving. You know what that is? That is a pond of water that gets icky and nasty and dirty because there's no movement. There's no movement. God wants to bless you to bless somebody else. We got to see our lives at a higher level, but here's the deal. What are you anchored to and what's weighing you down that's holding you back? Oh, man. Let me give you a few examples today. Number one is this, the past. The past, first one in the past, and said, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. Who do you need to forgive? Man, this forgiveness has been so big. Every time I talk to the Lord, he keeps bringing up people to forgive. It's big in him. Why? Because he wants grace to flow. Who do you need to forgive today? What moment do you need to let go of from your past? A moment that brought hurt, that brought pain. What painful incident do you need to let go that you go, I just don't allow Jesus to touch this because it's so painful. I don't open up my heart to him. I don't let him into that room because it's painful. Put up that other picture. This is my friend, uh, Brandon, okay? Um, This was back in the beginning of the summer. This is his 40th birthday. He came in, we played some golf, celebrated his birthday. Now, many of you in here don't know Brandon, okay? Now, if you were here at the very, very beginning of the church, you would know Brandon, okay? Because Brandon, he sold his house, he moved his entire family from Michigan to Cincinnati, Ohio, to help start this church, okay? I think he poured in probably... $45,000 of his own money to help start this church. This thing that you're a part of today is here because Brandon Lepley walked in faith and helped us start this church, okay? So we're doing this. We're starting the church. We're in the first year. And now here's the deal. Me and Brandon had talked about this for like four years, 
Like every day talked about this for four years. Every day talked about the type of church we wanted. Talked about the vision that we had for this. Talked about us doing this together. Talked about us, you know, kind of like growing old and us doing this together. And we're going to take the world for Jesus together every day for four years. And then we start the church and we're walking in faith. And I'll never forget the day the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, Brandon's going to go home. And I was like, no, I rebuke you, Lord. He's not going home. He's my best friend. We have plans. We have a future together. We're building this church. He's not going back home. Lord goes, no, 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 he's going back home. I said, why? He said, because it's my plan. I said, well, I don't like your plan. I don't agree with your plan. Your plan, God, doesn't fit my plan. And I don't like this plan. Sure enough, 48 hours later, Brandon calls me. Hey, come on over. I come on over. He goes, hey, I, I, I got to go back home. I got to take care of some stuff with my, with my family. I, I, I got to bring my, my kids and family back to their family. We just got to go back home. And I knew, I knew it was the right thing. Anybody ever experienced a moment like that where your heart is breaking and it's painful and your dream is crumbling? And, and listen, here's the hardest part too. We were just starting the church at that moment, right? Like the coots, you guys remember? Like, like it was small and it was tiny and we were just struggling to get by week by week. And now somebody who's been a rock and a foundation piece for me is leaving. And it was painful. And it broke my heart. But I knew it was what God wanted for Brandon. I knew it was what God wanted for Brandon. But how many of you know that sometimes when your heart is broken, or you've had a traumatic moment, or you've had this season where things didn't work out the way you thought, how many of you know it's really hard to see what God's doing sometimes? It's really hard. Now, it was about a few months ago. You can take that picture down. I was, I was praying for this upcoming fall, and and we're just so excited about what God's doing here. We're so excited about what God's about to do. I'm so excited about this Bible plan we're going to do. We have all these different things that we're going to roll out this fall. And we believe that God is just going to explode this church. And I'm so excited. And I was thinking about the team that God has just assembled around me. Especially people like Pastor Matt, the Prince family, Drew and Farah. And, and they're, they're super strong in this area called what? Administration, okay? What is Pastor Jeff not super strong in, okay? Administration. But what is Pastor Jeff full of? Vision, hearing God's voice, knowing where to go, leading us. But I needed what? The right people around me. What did God know? God knew, God knew that I had to let go of something in my past so I could grab on to what he had in my future. Amen? Because he had my future planned out. Why? Because he's good. He's good. 
But sometimes we're holding on to offense. We're holding on to bitterness. We're holding on to that moment that hurt us. We're holding on to the past. And because we're holding on to the past, we can't grab on to our future. It's a weight. It's an anchor in our life that's holding us back from everything that God has in store for our lives. Second thing is this, point number two is this, is guilt. I mean, you know, guilt can be a serious weight, serious anchor in our life. Painful mistakes, painful missteps, missteps in relationships, missteps with finances, missteps in our career, you know, painful mistakes, you know, just going, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've decided, like, I'm going to get in shape. And then, like, two weeks later, I'm like, I'm not getting in shape, okay, you know, like, and then, and then you wake up one day and you're like, I, I really need to get in shape. And you're just like, and it just, it's just, it's just guilt, right? You're constantly thinking like, man, I can't get it together. I can't accomplish to be who I want to be, who I see myself to be. I don't see myself the way God sees me. I've had some recent thoughts like this. Guilt. How many of you have somebody on social media that every time you see them on social media, you like fly by that post because in your heart of hearts, you're like, man, that relationship is broken. You know what I'm talking about? And to look at that picture reminds you of the broken relationship. So I have one of this, one of these moments in my life. And every time I see this person, I'm just like, as fast as I can. You like that? You like that right there? Just fast, okay? I don't want to see them. I don't want to see what they're doing, right? Why? Because the relationship's broken. And here's the truth. It's broken not because of them. It was broken because of me. Why? Because I'm bad at relationships sometimes. I'm a really great leader but I'm not always really good at relationships. I love relationships, but I'm not always good at them. And I'm not good at them all the time sometimes because to be honest with you, I have trust issues. So I have trust issues. I've been burned. And when you've been burned, sometimes you go, well, I'm just gonna kind of keep people at arm's distance because I don't know if I really trust them. And, and sometimes when I don't trust people then, I, I keep God's grace and blessing out of my life because God wants to use somebody to bless my life and to bring grace into my life, but I'm holding them at arm's distance. You know what I'm talking about? And so I have one of these relationships. And then on top of all that, I just feel guilty that I push this relationship away. And I think to myself, how? How, how could God ever heal or restore this relationship? It was my fault. It was my fault. And so... You just get full of guilt. You're full of shame. Can't see. Or how about this? There's this relationship that God's been speaking to me about for six months. Somebody in ministry, okay? Six months ago, the Lord told me to reach out to this person in ministry, and the Lord told me I'm going to use this person to bring some wisdom and some ideas and some creativity and some understanding because they're farther down the road than you are, and you need some people like this so you can see where you're going. It's a picture. And I was like, man, that's really, really cool, God. But how many know when somebody is wildly successful, 
This person is wildly successful. I can get intimidated real quick. I get intimidated real quick. Why? Because I can't see myself the way God sees me. Right? Why? Because I'm not a perfect person, and I'm not a perfect leader, and I don't have my life perfectly together. And I feel what? I feel guilty. I, I walk around with guilt on me, thinking I'm not who God wants me to be all the time. And, and because of that, I can't make these connections that God wants. Or how about this? Third point is this. How about sin? Sin. And what, what is sin? Sin is when the Holy Spirit or the Word of God reveals something to you and it says, this isn't God's best for your life. This isn't God's best. This isn't what I have in store for you. This isn't my best for you. Let me give you, hold on, hold on. Let me give you an example, but let me tell you where sin is birthed out of. Okay, I want you to write this down. Sin is birthed out of unbelief and doubt in God's promises. I should have got an amen right there. All sin is birthed out of what? Unbelief and doubt in God's promises and what he has in store for you. Now, now let me show you the example. Ephesians chapter five, verse 25, says this. For husbands, this means to love your wives as Christ has loved the church and given up his life for her. So this is a kind of a direction when we read this. The Lord's going, hey, husbands, I want you to love your wife the way that I love the church. How did Jesus love the church? He gave his life for her. He sacrificed his life. So he's saying, husbands, I want you to love your wife this way. Sacrifice your life for her. Verse 28, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church. I'm going to tell you something. For years, in my marriage, I didn't believe this. I didn't believe it. I had what? Unbelief and doubt in God's promise. Well, you say, well, what's God's promise? I, I didn't see the promise in there. Oh, no, 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 it's in there. The Lord says, husbands, if you'll love your wife as Christ loves the church, if you'll love your wife as you love yourself, if you'll honor and respect and treat your wife the way that Jesus treats you, you will have a blessed marriage. He's revealing his plan. He's revealing his heart. He's revealing it to the husband. Why? Because the husband's the head of the house. But I didn't believe it. And because I didn't believe it, because I lived in what? Unbelief and doubt in God's promise. 
right? Because here's what happens. The Word of God comes, and the Word of God is there to set you free. The Holy Spirit comes to do what? Always to set you free from weights, from anchors that are holding you back from all that God has in store for you. See, God had a dream for my marriage. God had a plan for my marriage. I just didn't believe it. I had doubt and unbelief in God's plan. And because I had doubt and unbelief in God's plan, it cost me years of my marriage. Because here's the deal. I know how to love myself. Right? I know how to talk really nicely to myself when I make mistakes. It's okay, Jeff. Everybody makes mistakes. We'll get past this. Everything will be good. I can talk real kindly to myself. I can be real gentle with myself, right? Or how about this? I know how to honor myself. You know, like, oh man, I've worked really, really hard. I deserve a day off, you know? Like, I promise you, I'll go to a movie by myself. I don't need you or anybody in this world. I'll go and enjoy it myself with a big old thing of popcorn and a big slushy. okay? Why? I, I know how to honor myself, right? I know how to bless myself. You know, I can go into a store and be like, man, that would look really nice. It would look real good on me. I know how to give grace to myself. I know how to make my own plans happen. I know how to meet all of my needs. But because I had unbelief and doubt in God's promises, it what? It didn't flesh out into my marriage. See, this is where sin starts. God's promise comes and he goes, hey, I promise you if you'll follow what I have in store for your life, you'll have a blessed life. But there's these moments that your flesh goes, no, 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 I don't believe that. You want to know why I didn't believe it? I'll tell you why. Because I believed in my heart of hearts. If I treated my wife the way that Ephesians talked about, that I would lose control and that she wouldn't be what I wanted her to be. getting real today. We all have control issues. We all want to control our spouse. We all want to control the narrative. We all want to control our future. We all want to control our finances. We all want to control everything. And God goes, no, 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 the control's mine. The control's mine. And if you'll get out of doubt and unbelief in my promises, I'll bring the blessing. I'll bring it to you. You don't have to fight for everything in this life. I'll bless it. Just follow my plan. But because I didn't, it cost me years of my marriage. And it brought what? Pain, arguments, bitter, spiteful actions. This was my marriage. Pain, arguments, bitterness, spiteful actions. It was like, just like a constant circle of these things. Pain, arguments, bitterness, spiteful actions. And we just went round and round and round for years. What did it take? It took me going, God, I believe that you have a better plan than I do. 
God, I believe you have a better plan for my finances. God, I believe you have a better plan for my future. God, I believe you have a better plan for my children. God, I believe you have a better plan for my marriage. God, I believe that you have a better plan for my life than the life that I'm living. And God, I choose to no longer live in unbelief and doubt in your promises and your plan. I choose to believe and to accept your plan that you have for my life and to live out your plan and not my plan. I chose to do what? To be anchored to something different. I was anchored to myself. I was anchored to my choices. I was anchored to my control. I was anchored to what I saw and what I want and what I thought life should be. I wasn't anchored to God's promises and God's truth and God's understanding. I just had to anchor myself. I just had to choose. What am I going to be anchored to in this life? So let me ask you, what are you anchored to today? Law or grace? Remember we started with law and grace. What are you anchored to? Law or grace? Because I promise you, the law will never set you free. I promise you, you beating yourself up will never set you free. I promise you, guilt and shame will never set you free. I promise you, being in the pit with the enemy telling you how terrible you are, it'll never set you free. What are you anchored to today? Law or grace? Are you anchored to God's mad at me? God's angry at me? God disapproves of me? I deserve punishment? How could I ever forgive myself? What are you anchored to? Or are you anchored to grace? Are you anchored to, no, God forgives me. God has fresh mercy for me every day. I'm anchored to the power of God that changes me. Philippians 4, 13 says this, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me what? His strength, not mine. I can do it. You can do it. When God's promises comes, you can live it out, I promise. Not through your strength, but through his strength. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two. We read this earlier. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, who? The champion. The champion. Why is he a champion? Because he already fought the battle. He already won. He already dismantled Satan. He already made a fool of him. He's victorious. And when you grab onto this idea, when you grab onto this truth, and it becomes your truth that Jesus is my champion, he is my strength, his purposes, his ways are my ways, he'll heal, restore, renew, every area of your life and the dream that he has for your life, it'll start just flowing out of you. It'll just start flowing out of you. Why don't you stand up today? 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 says, but thank God, but thank God for what? He has made us his captives. I love that idea that I'm a captive of Jesus Christ. He has captivated my mind. He's captured my heart. I'm captive to him and to the life that he has for me. It says this, 
he continues to lead us along Christ's triumphant procession. The champion, Jesus the champion, he won. He won. He won. He's victorious. He rose from the dead. He's victorious. He won. Jesus won. He's overcome. He's victorious. Jesus won. He won. What do teams do after they win? They celebrate, right? They have a party. They have this big parade that goes down the street celebrating the victor. See, this is what Jesus is on right now. He's on this big parade going, hey, everybody, I won. I won. I overcame death, hell, and the grave. I'm victorious. He said, hey, I won. I I fulfilled the entire law so you didn't have to. I won. I won. I'm victorious. He's going, and then on his parade, on his parade, he's going, hey, do you want to join me on my parade? Do you want to come with me on this victorious parade? Because I've won. You don't have to do anything because I've won. All you have to do is put your faith in me. Put your trust in me. Stop living in doubt and unbelief. Why? Because I'm won. I won. I'm victorious. And it says this. He leads us. He takes us with him on this victory parade going, hey, you're going to win in your marriage. Your marriage is going to be blessed because you're going to have wisdom and understanding on how to honor and respect and to treat each other correctly. You're going to win in your finances because you're going to learn to honor me. You're going to win in this game of life that life isn't about possessions and things, but you're going to find true happiness and joy in me being fulfilled by me. You're going to win just like me. I'm going to lead you to win because I've won. Amen. He's won. He's won. So stop believing that you're not going to. 